The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. For the last part of the sitting, I'd like to do a guided meditation on broadening or expanding the awareness. So I'd like to suggest that you allow your attention to connect to the sensations in the top of your head, whatever sensations you're feeling there. Just noticing, allowing, receiving those sensations. Relaxing, relaxing. Allow the attention to broaden, to take in not only the sensations at the top of the head, but all the sensations in your head, your face, the back of your head, your jaw so that the awareness has expanded to include a broader area of attention. as though that awareness that's taking in the sensations of your head were a bubble. Relax and allow that bubble to expand just a little bit to include not only the sensations of your head but also of your neck. relax. It's almost easier to not try to do this, but more of a sense of allowing, receiving. Relax and allow that bubble of awareness to expand, to include your shoulders. So awareness is taking in the sensations of your face and head, your neck and your shoulders.
relax. Allow that bubble of awareness to expand further, to take in the experience of your torso as well. Receiving, experiencing the sensations of your head and neck, your shoulders and your torso. Relax. allowing the bubble of awareness to relax and expand further to include the sensations of your lower back, your abdomen and your hips. Allowing awareness to take in the sensations of your head and neck, shoulders, torso, lower back and abdomen, hips. Relax. allowing the bubble of awareness to expand to include your arms and your hands. Allowing awareness to receive sensations in your head and neck, shoulders, torso, lower back, abdomen, hips, arms and hands. Relax.
allowing the bubble of awareness to expand now to include your legs and your feet relaxing and allowing awareness to connect with to receive to feel and sense sensations of your head and neck shoulders upper body lower body relax and allow the awareness to deepen internally staying connected to the field of awareness of the body but also now connecting inside particularly in your torso, allowing awareness to take in from top to bottom, internally, front to back, and side to side. Relax. Allow the flow of sensations and noticing allowing the awareness to expand to include how your mind is responding to this experience and staying connected with the body the entire body can you also take in whether the mind is at ease or tense calm agitated, interested, curious. Happy or confused, whatever it is, allowing awareness to connect not only with the body, but also with the mental experience.
relax and imagine that bubble of awareness expanding beyond the edges of your body letting go of any idea of the edges of your body and allow the bubble of awareness to move out into the space around you and include the experience of hearing relax allowing awareness to take in the experience the physical sensations of the body internally and externally moods, emotions and hearing it may feel like awareness flows from one experience to another it may feel like awareness takes in a broad range of experience at the same time. It might feel like awareness kind of jumps from experience to experience. There's no right way. Just notice how your awareness is taking in the experience, this broad experience of body, of mind, and of hearing. Relax. Relax and staying connected with the experience of body, of mind, of hearing. Particularly the experience of mind. First I'd like you to notice what happens in your mind when I suggest that we'll expand the attention by opening the eyes and including seeing. So relax and opening the eyes, seeing if you can stay connected to the body, the physical sensation, the hearing, moods, emotions, thoughts, and seeing. Relax.
and staying connected with experience, physical, mental, auditory. I'd like to suggest that you actually start looking at things, moving your head and looking around the room, noticing what your eyes are drawn to and if you can stay connected with your body while you do this with moods and with hearing relax and staying connected particularly with the body allow yourself to break the meditation posture begin to move there won't be a belt and this sitting as if there were an end to experience and awareness seeing though now if you can stay connected while you're moving with this broad sense this broader bubble of awareness And now, I'd like to expand this exercise into including speaking and listening. So is anyone willing to speak into this space? And we can just have a reports, our reports, but I'd suggest that the first place you begin, because it's easiest to stay connected with this kind of experience if you speak to the experience for the first, say, 30 seconds or so. Is anyone willing to give this a try? <laughs> Meryl. And before Meryl starts to speak, I'm just going to remind you to really practice this broad awareness while listening to what Meryl reports. Okay, go ahead. It's okay Um. to be really slow. aware of um, 
the light um, when I was opening my eyes. And um, there was a little bit of like shocking. It, it's not shocking, but it, it, it's bright and it's sort of stunning mm-hmm. in that. Um, so right now, and all of you I suggest right now, what I'd like to suggest is you know, leaving your eyes open. But withdraw your attention from the visual field and allow it to be inside the body. So leave your eyes open, but let the visual field recede into the background if possible in favor of connecting with the body. A broad sense of the body. And notice, if you can, in leaving your eyes open while doing this, if from time to time the attention kind of gets pulled back to the visual field, see if you can notice that and stay connected with the body. What Merrill describes is very common. As soon as we open our eyes, we lose touch with our felt experience. Okay, Meryl, continue. When my eyes are open, um, it's still the most prevalent of... uh, So sometimes it feels like with the eyes open that it's either closing them because I can get more grounded in the body that when my eyes are open it's much more harder it's that's not a sentence but um, it's sort of like an either or uh-huh. and so what I'm suggesting is a practice actually from time to time opening the eyes and seeing if you can have the eyes open and at, like not look at things kind of like let your let your gaze be um, unfocused. I, I, and, and then just keep, keep practicing. Just keep practicing that. Um, it is a skill that it takes time to develop. So it's, it, it feels like either or, but it, it's a habit of either or. I was going to ask if... Um, sometimes it's nice to hear another person's experience of how they do it uh-huh. because sometimes um, in, it's sort of a coordination kind of thing also uh-huh. to I don't know it, it, uh, it, I've been trying to practice this uh-huh. okay. and maybe I could talk to you more in my interviews so not do that uh-huh. but um, it, it has not been easy for okay. years uh-huh. so Anyway, and, um, and in trying to practice it, how have you been trying to practice it? Very much like you just described. Okay. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, keep keep playing with it. Um, it's like you know, if you go to a zendo, they always ask that you keep your eyes open, uh-huh. and um, the same type of spacious awareness in a way, though single pointed, it's spacious at the same time, and uh, it's always been very difficult. Uh-huh, yeah. Some of us are very visually oriented. Um, 
and that, uh, you know, I think um, it, it kind of, when our eyes are open, it's like the world that we see, and maybe there's been something in our history that has really made it very important to, for us to keep track of what's going on around us. And so that, you know, that kind of habit of being pulled out it's, you know, it's, it's a long kind of pattern to work with. I also have a, um, a lazy eye mm-hmm. that blinks. So that's going on too, causing, um, when my eyes open, the awareness of sensation that's there. Uh-huh. So I see yeah. that sometimes as a, you know, a distraction. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's because it's somewhat. It's not that it's prevalent, but it's there. Yes. Uh-huh. So, um, all right. Thank you. Um, so um, the other morning when I was coming here, um, I had a problem with my car, and um, I have to buy a new car. So the last couple of days I haven't been here because I've had to focus on that. And in, um, I'm trying to think, it was, I think it was like Wednesday morning, you suggested that um, the larger chore that we were working on be something that was more neutral. So I had chosen um, my iPhone, paying attention to the desires and other things that were happening in using that. And um, during the week, I also noticed that my attention was often going just to driving. So I sort of put my attention as my chore in driving, Mm -hmm. even though it's neutral and not neutral at times. Um, So over the last, I guess it's two days now, I've been driving four cars, (laughs) you know, and um, what I've really noticed is um, that driving is just driving, Mm. and that um, from the household to retreat, there's been a real ease kind of continuity between getting in one car, getting in another car, getting in another car, and that the same types of awareness are still present, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hands on the wheel, you know, how I sit in the seat, watching people. Um, uh-huh. There's subtle differences between each car, making it um, interesting, but yet it's really just been driving. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, and, and rather than um, a, a surprise, because often um, when you get in a... Um, in a car for me, like if it's a new car, there's all these gizmos and gadgets and I haven't really even been paying that much attention when I'm driving to those things, but just really to the driving. Uh-huh. And um, also I've had to be doing a lot of talking to salespeople and other people about getting a car. And um, you know, I've been very aware of mindful speech um, in this. I've also been very aware of mindful listening in this and um, it's been like um, the practice has expanded many fold because I'm you're really having to engage and engage yeah that's great yeah um, I also I think 
I've noticed where, especially dealing with car salesmen, not that all car salesmen are alike or all processes are the same, but there's the moment of when people are trying to pressure you um, about doing something that they want you to do that you don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily want to do that um, a quality of intolerance comes up. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and at least at first, and then I've been really looking at that, just letting it be the quality that's there. Uh-huh. You know, Great. and that I don't even have to respond. Well, Great. I, do have, I, do, yeah. ha- I yeah. do have to respond, but there's many different ways I can respond yeah. in that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's sort of, not what I thought when I started. <laughs> the week, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. but it definitely um, broadens the sense of taking the householder practice out into the world. Yeah, great. Thank you, Meryl. And um, I'm, I'm very glad for brushing the teeth. That's my other chore. Um, because sometimes at night when I come home, I'm really tired. But yet, because I know I have this to do, it's sort of, um, I say, I, I have this to do. I want to do this. Um, I've really enjoyed it and taken the time that I might not have done had I not chosen this to mm. do. Mm-hmm. And and it's been a very nice way to end the night. Yeah. I mean, with a little bit of mindfulness, it's a great way to send yourself off to bed. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Meryl. Betsy. And just a reminder, because hearing kind of something broader outside of the room can kind of bring the mind more into agitation. So connect with the body as much as possible, remembering that place of expanded awareness. I was going to make a small observation about about the visual field. Um, as soon as you brought us to essentially an inner visualization, I could feel um, as we moved from the top of the head to the full head, from the full head to the neck, every transition, my orbital eye muscles thought it was an opportunity to get involved. (laughs) And in speaking, my orbital eye muscles really want to help. Um, And so I was practicing, as I sometimes do if I'm involved in a specific exercise, practice just using those muscles which are called for and being aware of any other helpers that are out there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and the orbital eye muscle, for me, is the most ready volunteer that I have. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Betsy. (laughs) 
Yes. Let's see if I can stay connected. I think so. Yeah. Um, road awareness to me seems like an extreme relaxation. It is, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, at least that's my experience. Really have to relax. When I opened my eyes, I it was pretty easy for me, and uh, it felt like it was just open even more. And uh, it seems like uh, when I abandon doing things, this opens up. So say more. What do you mean? If I let go of doing and just uh, be with the receiving. Okay. So you mean in terms of the attention, let go of doing any um, choosing for what you pay attention to. thinking or intention, letting, getting letting myself get involved with intention for the next thing, uh-huh. um, then I can stay connected. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And how was it here now speaking? It's harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we are engaging intention. Yeah. And so that, that becomes a challenge. I, I feel the body, but um, still, but it's getting narrowing down, I think. Yeah. It feels like that. Um, if you want to practice with that... Um, you know, you might take an opportunity, you know, use this exercise and then speak out loud. First, start with speaking out loud. At least this has been my experience, that if I start with speaking, and now right, you know, right now, so I'll do it, I'll model it. Just connect with that sense of expanded awareness. And I'm noticing a little bit of self-consciousness in doing this. Because that's a place to begin. The, 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 actually, the self-consciousness itself has a sensation. I mean, I'm expanded, the, the awareness is expanded and, and, and broad, and yet there's a kind of a core sense of, of tension through the middle of the body that as I'm talking about it, I'm feeling, I'm feeling that part release, but there's a tension in the hips that feels like it's holding me up. And now that's releasing. And the whole experience feels like it's really broadening at this point. There's a sense of joy, of hearing, of seeing, of feeling the body kind of amusement at the way, it almost feels like I'm being tickled for all of the sensations. Um, And so that kind of exercise of actually speaking to the experience. And, you know, the first thing, if you're doing it with a partner, if you have a partner that you you can try this with, the first place to look is if there is any um, self-consciousness that comes about it and speak directly to that. It's kind of the doorway. Uh, At least in my experiences, I've done this kind of exercise a lot now and I've I've consistently found that the first place to speak is to any 
sense of discomfort or any sense of me or I or self that's arising in response to needing to speak. I definitely feel the self-consciousness and the heat um, rising up the core. And uh, when I stop speaking and let go of that and start expanding the awareness again, I started to feel kind of high. Like, yes. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel that way. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Yosha. Um, I noticed when you brought us down in the body that when I got down to my, my hips and lower back, I felt this, this weight um, that you know really drew me to the earth. And then it wasn't until I brought, uh, when you brought in the legs that it sort of lifted. And, and then I noticed that there was sort of a play between, between that energy of, of weight and no weight. Mm-hmm. And until my legs fell asleep and then there was just weight. Um, and then uh, when we moved back out, um, I shifted my posture. And again, the weight, you know, lightened a little bit. And, um, and then through the listening and, and um, other areas, I could feel it kind of come and go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Thank you. Do you have anything you'd like to say about your week? You don't have to. Oh, I, um, it'll be interesting talking with this awareness about my week. Uh, so, yeah, I'll go for it. Um, I chose making my bed, and which I'm very mindful of doing, which then made it easy for me to remember going through the doorways. Um, in fact, it was almost kind of playful, and it kind of reminded me of, um, you know, playing Chasey Chasey with the cat, you know, going through the doorways. Mm-hmm. But for the last three days, I tried to remember going through the doorway, coming here. And um, for two days, um, it, didn't, it didn't hit me until I sat down that I hadn't remembered that I was to remember to go through the doorway, but I was very mindful of going through the doorway, um, but not the remembering part of the exercise. Um, one day I was late, so I you know, went to the back door, but it was closed, and I came to the front door, and so I carefully came through. The next day you had the sign on the door, you know, and I, you know, pretty easily remembered. And then this morning I actually remembered, and in fact someone held the door open for me. So it was kind of <laughs> sweet. <laughs> and is this um, making the thread of mindfulness more through your day as a whole? Are you finding that impact? You know, I, um, I think... You know, periodically through the day, I would remember usually mostly after the fact Uh of going through the doorways. Uh Um, So, yeah, I think it has been very helpful. So just a word about this, um, this broad awareness. If you get familiar with this feeling, it can, um, it can be something you touch into it's, it's a little more connected in a way to the knowing that we talked about yesterday. Because um, you're just in the space of being aware and taking kind of the broad range of experience in. Um, 
And it can be, as, as you get familiar with this place, it can be something that turns on like that whenever you remember it. And so um, it, it can also be a useful tool for us in navigating our daily lives, um, just noticing kind of the broad opening to experience from time to time. Um, and I found for a while, you know, it'd be like I could, it was like flipping a switch. I could, I would be just kind of noticing and then be like, oh, can I go to that space? And so I could practice with that um, moving to this kind of broad, expanded awareness. In daily life, as I'm walking, you know, in a hill, on a hill or you know, just in my house, just wherever. So it is a, it's kind of a tool that we can use. Can I say something to that? Sure. Um, I noticed that a lot of times, like, for example, yesterday afternoon, I was running a lot of errands, and, and it was, I was heading home, and it was dinner time, and I was hungry and you know, anxious to get home. But I noticed that I felt that pull, yet I was completely stable, and there was no rush in my movement. Uh-huh. And it felt like there was this... This knowing that I was uh huh great resting yeah great thank you bud I noticed that uh, when uh, you had us open our eyes um, I could watch judgment coming in judging mine came in and uh, and the uh, the stark difference between the awareness that preceded that and how that awareness was becoming contaminated by <laughs> mental formations. <laughs> <laughs> so that link <laughs> from contact to mental formations, uh, opening the eyes really, uh, really brought it home. That's okay. very interesting. Yeah. So... Um, was there a specific kind of judgment around the visual field that is a pattern that you recognize? Well, um, more my directing mind came in Uh and uh, started to um, try to differentiate between what was safe and what was not safe and uh, uh, basically can I say superego? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Began to make itself, its annoying presence, you know, uh, manifest. Uh-huh. And uh, so uh, it was pretty stark for me to see the difference uh, and uh, start to deal with that, basically, uh-huh. Uh-huh. to soften around it. And, yeah. uh, the, the piece that I'm just going to point to here, because um, there's a very close link between, what do I want to say? Um, um, you know, when we open our eyes, our discrimination of perception really starts to kick in. You know, it's like right. people, chairs, carpet, male, female, windows. I mean, it's like all of that right. starts to happen. And um, it seems a little bit like when our eyes are closed and we're internal, a lot of that can fall away. I mean, it's still happening because the process of perception just goes on all the time. But it, it seems to really kick in when we open our eyes. It's like, 
you know, danger, danger, <laughs> watch out for, you know, incoming objects or something. <laughs> um, and so the, the mind really starts to, to discriminate and distinguish. And there's a very fine line between perception and thinking and judging. I mean, this is, this is from the Honeyball Sutta. You may be familiar with that, you know. When you... Uh, um, what one sees, that one perceives... What one perceives, that one thinks about. What one thinks about, that one mentally proliferates. So it's very quick to move there. But do take care and not to confuse the, um, the perception, the discernment of male, female, chair, carpet with judgment. Because there's a fine line there. Nevertheless, the, the, the sense of caution uh, that comes with that yes. then mm-hmm. creates uh, tension in the body as you stiffen up and try to protect yourself against you know whatever whatever may come <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> um, so um, so dealing with that is, uh, and as I'm speaking, I'm sensing that my shoulders are hunched and uh, and I'm a little tight. But if I take a deep breath or allow myself to breathe, uh, that sort of relieves. And um, speaking to it is great, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> really. <laughs> right, right. This is we have to do this. <laughs> I'm going to stop now. <laughs> okay, thank you, bud. <laughs> Um, I experience sort of the opposite of what what Bud is saying. I've got had this sort of mental to-do list that would periodically do a bomb through my my consciousness, and you know the the I probably should have sat down and done a to-do list this morning, and I go right through the field of calmness that had happened. And what I found is when I have these proliferation kind of attacks, when I open my eyes, it stops. That can be a very powerful tool, actually. I find in sitting meditation, if I have an, a mental proliferation attack, if I open my eyes, it, it often will stop that. Um, you know, that that's, that, that's helpful. Um, at t- from time to time. So it, it, it can be a very powerful thing. You know, if you're sitting in meditation and your mind is exploded with thought of things you need to do, where you need to go, if you open your eyes, it's, it's harder to forget where you are. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it can work that way. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. Bob. So in the exercise where you created a where we created a bubble of awareness, um, it isn't it wasn't exactly the same pattern that I that I often use in doing it myself, but I was able to um, 
be aware of my body, and then I actually expand it out into the space with hearing. And then it was actually surprising to me when you said to get ready to open your eyes. It was as if um, I think I even jumped a little bit in my body because it was like being in my room and I would created this really safe, nice, calm space and then there was a knock at the door and there was a 20 people <laughs> that were going to come into the room yeah. and flood me with all this awareness. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so it was, and then I had the same experience I think you described with the visual awareness. It is like all of a sudden there's just, it's almost like a movie of so much stuff coming at you, just so much information, so much stimulus out there that it's uh, there really is a big difference between the visual and then closing my eyes and just having the right. awareness. There's plenty of visual awareness even with my eyes closed, but but there's even some, there's a lot more with with my eyes open, especially depending on the on the situation. And so this, you know, this exercise, part of the reason I do this is because in our daily lives, again, I think this is a big reason why the daily life practice is so hard, because we, we get lost through that eye door. There's an analogy um, of, you know, that, that, you know, mindfulness is kind of like the, a house, you know, and it's got, it's got, Gil sometimes used this analogy of, you know, the, the windows you know, four windows and a door, and then the space inside. And uh, the space inside is kind of like the mind, and the four windows and the door are like the five sense doors. And I look at the door, for me at least, the door is like the eye, the eye door, because it's big. It's like really easy to go out that door. You know, the others, you know, you kind of have to go over and climb out the window to go out the ear door or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, it's so easy to to get lost in, in that area. And so practice, and this was practice with, can you open your eyes and actually stay connected to what's going on inside? You know, that we can be aware of seeing and be mindful of seeing. And that's a, that's a good step also, you know, to be just, can I just be mindful of how the mind is engaging in seeing? but to also then begin to know how that seeing is impacting your experience. And that's actually, maybe I should add that to the guided meditation, because that's a good doorway. You know, you you open your eyes and you see, and it has an impact on your mind, on your feelings, on your body. I mean, I think, Bud, did you mention the tension that arose when you opened your eyes? So that's a connection. So you're noticing the impact that it has on your body to, uh, to, to do that. Um, so it's, it's a practice, you know, and to, to begin to, can we connect with our internal life while our eyes are open? It's, we have to do that with mindfulness in our daily lives. What happened for you um, when, in the, when Meryl was speaking and I suggested having your eyes open and withdrawing the attention from the visual field were you were you able to do that and and kind of touch into the internal sense of your body with your eyes open? Mm-hmm. I was, and um, one of the ways is interesting. One of the ways I did it is I recently went to a workshop on the Rosen method. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that, but it's um, 
sort of like hands. It's just a hand touching the body in one spot. And it's, to me, it's very similar to meditation, but it's with another mind where you just focus on, you just try and focus on whatever the feeling is within the body. So it was almost like I was imagining, even with my eyes open, that there was like a hand or hands uh-huh. on my body. Uh-huh. Um, and that was able to have definitely to ground help, me, you. help yeah. me to bring awareness there. That's, even, that's true. That's, even that's actually, if you open. try that, actually, while your eyes are open, right. it... Use your own hands as well. Yeah, yeah it, it, uh, it helps to connect you to the body. Thank you. See if anybody else wants to speak first. Okay, Meryl. Um, I just very briefly wanted to say that um, I really got in touch with something about my eyes during all this. And I had had um, surgery on one of my eyes and it's weak, and um, just bringing the awareness to the eye, I I had some grief come up. You had some grief come up? Yeah, come up and be released. And what I really realized is that um, in ways there's sort of delusion when you have injuries to the body, because when they happen, at least if they're old injuries, there's not always the awareness of what's happening at least it wasn't for me when it happened. And that sometimes maybe the resistance, I, I don't know, I mean, I've, when it comes to like healing the body and releasing, uh-huh. there's very many different times where there is sort of a delusion to an injury. Yes. And then all of a sudden, there's just a release. And, and I think there is something about, um, you know, it's interesting People report at times in meditation that um, in the meditation, at some point, you know, I think I, th- I think Joseph reported this, but I've heard others to also talk about this kind of thing that you're just sitting in meditation and suddenly there's a searing pain in your body someplace where there had been an injury, and it's almost as if that energy of that injury has been kind of locked somehow either in the body or um, and that the the it kind of comes into consciousness and is felt again and then can be released in a way and so there may be some physical side of it as well if you um, you know have an injury um, or you know even surgery is a form of an injury so if you have something like that happen, I think there can be some awareness that will allow it to um, to release whatever's locked in there around the injury. So people do report that kind of thing in meditation. I just thought I would add that because it is always interesting, at least to me, when these kinds of experiences arise. Yeah, and they just yeah. I mean, I don't I don't even know what it is, so I don't even want to put a name really. Right, but it is does feel like just a relief. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, and grieve and the tears, and then there's something just shifts. Uh huh. Thank you. Does anybody have any? to offer about the practice of speech during the week? 
Um, let me, if I may, combine uh, an answer to this question with an answer to an unasked question about my week as a whole. Um, uh, I think my speech has been uh, better than average this week. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with how that has gone. Um, um, regarding uh, the uh, task that takes several minutes that we've chosen, uh, uh, I, I chose being mindful during my meals. And uh, so I've often tried to be mindful during my meals. I've had that much presence of mind. Um, and then I notice I uh, go off into one of the uh, various areas where I've um, I've had a number of things on my mind during the week, and some concerns that are, you know, taking up my the real estate of my time, and and my mind tends to go there, uh, even during my meals. So, uh, and so there's a little bit of tension or contraction during those times of thought. So, uh, the, the best I can say for myself during my meals is at least I'm noticing in the course of a meal that. My, the strong tendency for my uh, mind to go there. And, that's great. And yeah. how I'm a little bit jumpy or tense, uh, fidgety uh, when I'm doing that. Uh-huh. Uh, when and, the mind is going off, you're getting tense, or in general during the fid- meal? You're... I'd say fidgety, yeah, uh-huh. is, is a perhaps better word. Mm-hmm. And uh, so at, at least <laughs> I'm noticing the struggle to bring my mind. I focus back to the food and the chewing and the taste. Uh-huh. So uh, I'm going to offer you something here. Um, and this is something I don't think I've talked about this week, but you know. So if you're noticing, is it noticing your kind of body is doing that kind of fidgety too? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So um, you know, one way to cultivate a settledness of mind or calmness of mind. Now, this comes back to that point of intention. This comes back to the the aspect of intention that. Um, you know, the intention being the, the link between the mind and the body. And so uh, knowing that you're fidgety, one way to work with patience or calm around this, to try to cultivate patience or calm, is knowing that you are fidgety, not trying to stop the fidgetiness, uh, the mental kind of fidgetiness. Bring the intention towards behaving calmly even not trying to force the mind to calm down but bringing the intention to uh, kind of almost as an actor you know it's like act as though you were not fidgety like you were saying last night if, if i could just form the thought in my mind uh, uh i would it's, I will it, try to incline myself toward it, Yeah, it does, but it's actually bringing it into the body. It's not even just, I mean, it's actually a conscious thing. Like, you know, what, I'll give you an example of how this worked for my own practice at one point. Um, I, I was really working with cultivating patience, and impatience is kind of a very big pattern for me. And so I'd notice impatience a lot. You know, I'm going through the, the Long's drugstore and, you know, grabbing things off the shelf and throwing them in the basket. And, you know, I, 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 oh, oh, there's impatience. Okay. <laughs> you know? uh, and so I, I, knowing that impatience was there, you know, that that impatience le- was leaking out into my behavior and kind of like your fidgetiness is leaking out into your behavior, I vowed to myself in that time, okay, 
I'm going to know that the fidgetiness is there, but see if I cannot let it leak into my behavior with the intention of cultivating some patience. And so in that decision, in that moment, going through the lungs, I slowed down the body. I could feel the impatience still in the mind, but I reached more slowly. I placed the things in my basket instead of you know, throwing them in there. And you know, it was just a very subtle shift of the body, allowing the impatience to be there, but it, it kind of inclining towards patience. So it was. It, there, it is an actual practice. It's not simply saying, you know, drop the drop the sense of patience in and see what happens. It's actually shifting how your body responds, as though you know, can you see if you can behave not to let this leak out into your system. And what I find when I play with this, actually, is that it's relatively rapid for the mind state to radically shift because, of, because you're, you are connecting with the intention of something else and acting on that intention, even, though, even while you're not uh, denying the other mind state. It's really important not to use repression in this kind of a, of a practice. You know, if you repress that, okay, I'm not going to feel patience, I'm not going to feel impatience. If you do that, it'll just, it'll just boil underneath. So this, this is a, a kind of an interesting place to play. So the equivalent for me while I'm feeling fidgety during a meal would be to simply uh, uh, instruct myself to chew more slowly. Perhaps, and and that might help to take care. Chew of Chew more slowly. Notice notice how the fidgetiness. The first thing is to notice how the fidgetiness is expressing itself. If it's it a is. rapid chewing, is it a kind of your eyes looking around the table for something to read, or is it a kind of a quickness of getting your food? All of that. Can you find out how the fidgetiness is manifesting and see if you can alter the the pattern? of that with the intention towards being an actor of its opposite quality, you know, the non-fidgetiness. <laughs> uh, this sounds like, sounds like an extra, a good tool to add to my toolbox. Thanks. Oh, so it's time to stop now, Liz. Sorry. <laughs> so thank you. See some of you this evening. <laughs>